Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Well, all right, Collective Church, it's hard to believe that we are already in week six of an eight-week message series in the book of James titled Essential, Faith That Works. Throughout his letter, James, the brother of Jesus, has been teaching us that in this world, as believers, our faith in Christ is essential. And it is essential that we not plateau in our faith, but that our faith in Jesus grows and matures It is essential that our faith is put to work, that we not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. As we continue today, I want to invite you to turn with me in James to James chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 12, and the title of our message today is Essential Words Taming the Tongue. James 3 verses 1 through 12, Essential Words Taming the Tongue. When I was working on my degree in Biblical Studies at Central Baptist College in Conway, I remember one of my professors sharing a story in class one day about one of his sons that was probably about five or six at the time. And my professor told us, told the class, that his son had asked him a pretty deep question for his age the night before. And he said, he said my son asked me, Dad, where do words go after we say them? I remember thinking as a student at Central Baptist College when our professor told us that story that that's a pretty deep question for a child. But as I prepared for this message today, I thought that's a pretty deep question for all of us to consider regardless of our age. Where do our words go after we say them? Where do your words go after you say them? For example, when you were trying to get out the door this morning and maybe you launched a word or two at your spouse that you wish you just hadn't said, or when you lashed out at your mom and dad that you just couldn't stand them because they wouldn't let you go to that gathering with your friends, or how about when you you were hasty to publish that comment on social media that you just wish you could get back, or when you flipped your lid on some coworkers. What about that time you finally just snapped on your kids and said something to them that you wish you hadn't, and you said it in a tone that you wish you hadn't have said it in? You know, I don't know exactly where our words go, but I do know that once we say them, we can't get them back. I also know the Bible has a few things to say to us about just how essential our speech, our words actually are. The power of the words that roll off of our tongues was and is of great concern to James. If you closely read James's letter, you'll notice that his original listeners had serious problems controlling their tongues. James chapter 1 verse 19, James had to tell them, hey look guys, y'all need to be quick to hear and, and slow to speak. He goes on to say in James 1 26, if anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In James 2.12, he says, So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, which is the word of God. James 4 verses 1 and 11, he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. 
Let me give you this life principle today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Your words demonstrate the authenticity of your faith. I'm going to say that one more time. Your words demonstrate the authenticity of your faith. Let me, let me kind of explain this a little bit. With your tongue, you can point people to peace in Christ or you can spread fear and anxiety. With your tongue, you can praise God for the good things he's doing in your life or you can be a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer. You can lead the lost to Christ with your words or you can remain silent, leaving them wandering through life. You can, you can be quick to hear the perspectives of others or just always be hasty to express your own opinion. You could say, look, we have some financial income this month, therefore we have the ability to tithe, to be generous. Or you can say, do we really have to tithe this month? Couldn't we just go ahead and get the boat we've always wanted? Now, let's remember that Jesus' brother, James, that's about to give us some instruction here. Don't you think that he would have heard his brother Jesus talk about something similar at one point or another. Of course he did. In Matthew 15, Jesus tells us that while the tongue is part of the problem, it's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem of our tongue, of our words, is actually our hearts. Follow along with me in Matthew 15, verse 11, and 17 through 19. Jesus said, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach, and then it is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Now, in order to impress upon us just how essential our words are and the consequences of our words, James is going to give us seven pictures of the tongue that I want you to highlight right there in your Bibles in, back in James. He gives us the picture of the bit, the rudder, a fire, an untamed beast, a deadly poison, a fountain, and a fig tree. Now, what we're going to do is begin to kind of unpack this a little bit. And the first thing that James is going to show us here is that your tongue has the power to direct. Let's read there in verse 1. James said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. Apparently, to, to use James's words here, many of the people in the church wanted to be a spiritual leader and wanted to teach. We're not sure why they wanted to teach, but what we do know is that James warns them that not many of them should become teachers. Now, let me clarify, James is not discouraging or devaluing the role of teaching and leadership in the church. In fact, he's placing great value on it. And he says to some of the men, 
You want to be teachers and leaders, but you're not ready for it. I know the things you say, and I know the things you don't say that you actually should be saying. Therefore, let's not rush you into this role, for, for you're going to be judged with greater strictness, and you're not ready for that. And so James is also saying to them, look, let's develop some maturity and some self-control in your life before we promote you to teacher or leader within the church. See, the church more than ever needs willing, gifted, trained, and qualified teachers and leaders, but they don't need to be hurried into the role or roles without realizing the great responsibility and weight of it. Now, James goes on here to share with us two things that are actually very small, but exercise great power, just like the tongue. For example, the small bit. It enables a rider to control a horse, and a small rudder enables a pilot to steer a huge ship. Both the bit and the rudder must overcome force. Are you following along with me here? The bit must overcome the wild nature of the horse, and the rudder must battle the winds and waves that may drive the ship off its course. Therefore, the bit and the rudder must be under the control of a strong hand. The horseman keeps the mighty power of his horse under control, and the experienced pilot courageously steers the ship through the challenges of the sea. Now watch this. Just like the bit and the rudder, your tongue must also overcome other forces and like the bit in the rudder, your tongue needs the control of a strong hand. Let me elaborate on that for just a second here. Your tongue faces the forces of your old sinful nature. Now, when you call on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you're instantly saved, but you're not instantly spiritual. And your, own sin, your old sinful nature battles against you on a daily basis. But not only do you face the issues of your old sinful nature, you also deal with some heart issues on the inside. Just as we read about that Jesus mentioned a moment ago, the Bible says that the heart above all else is wicked and deceitful. So we face some heart issues. We also face pressures on the outside. Uh, when we face the tests and the trials of life, sometimes we are tempted to say things to people and to those near to us that maybe aren't the most glorifying to God. Therefore, your tongue needs to be controlled by the hand of God at work in your life. See, when Jesus truly has control of your heart, then it's possible to gain control of your tongue. The psalmist said in Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. When you direct your words under the leading of God's Holy Spirit, your tongue has the power to build unity in your church, to cultivate a God-honoring marriage, to build up your children in the Lord, to help those around you who do not know Christ to know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. So James tells us here that our tongue has the power to direct. But he also tells us that our tongues have the power to destroy. Let's continue reading in James chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. James says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. 
The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. As I was preparing this week, I came across a story of an old barn in the city of Chicago. On October 8, 1871, a fire reportedly started in a barn in Chicago at 8.30 p.m. And the fire began to spread. And because it spread, over 100,000 people were left homeless. 17,500 buildings were destroyed. Can you believe it cost the city $400 million and 300 people lost their lives? Just like a fire can begin with a small spark and destroy a city, our words can spark fires that can cause much destruction. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 26, verses 20 and 21. It says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. How many of you here today, at some point in your life, have been a part of a church for, say, five years or longer? If you're willing to, just raise your hand right there where you are. If you've been a part of a church for, say, five years or longer, thank you for raising your hands. Listen, if you raised your hand then you've likely experienced people within the church that are like charcoal to hot embers, haven't you? They are like wood to fire. They are whispering, quarrelsome people. Listen, I've seen it not just be within the membership. I've seen the church leadership actually start the fire and stoke the fire. Listen, if the leadership expects the membership to biblically control their speech, then the leadership should set the example. On the flip side, if the membership desires the church to be healthy, then the membership should also be an example to other members in the church with their speech as well. Listen, church, as pastor today, I just want to I just want to urge you here, don't be a fire starter. Fire leads to destruction in the church, in your family, in the relationships that are important to you. Do not be a fire starter. Don't be charcoal to hot embers, wood to fire. Don't be the quarrelsome whisperer kindling strife. Now, this doesn't mean that things can't be talked out. In fact, the Bible encourages us to talk things out in the various arenas of our lives but it teaches us to guard how we go about talking things out. I want you to listen to what David had to say here in Psalm 39. He said, he said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. So as long as the wicked are in my presence, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. And as I mused, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. What's David saying here? David is saying, I lost my cool. 
I sat there, I was silent, I tried to practice some self-control, but the fire burned within me. My heart became hot within me, and then I finally just spoke with my tongue. What did David do? He gave way to the passions of his flesh and of his heart, and he became a fire starter. He became charcoal to hot embers. He became wood to fire, the quarrelsome whisperer kindling strife. I remember not long ago, my daughter, who is uh, four and a half years old, she's at a stage of her life where she has a question about everything, an opinion about everything, and comments to make about everything. And I had gotten home one day from, from a day of work and had gotten home from the gym from working out, and I had walked in, and Lauren asked me to help uh, change our son's diaper, Jack, who's about one and a half years old. And as I walked in there to change Jack's diaper, Cora made a comment about how Daddy was sweaty and how Daddy didn't smell good because he'd been at the gym. And listen, I had already just heard a lot of her remarks uh, from the days prior, and she just kind of got under my skin, and guess what I did? I lost my cool. I said some things to her that I wish I wouldn't have said, and Cora took off to her bedroom just crying. It reminds me of Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So our words, our tongues, they have the power to direct. They have the power to destroy. We do not want to be people that are fire starters. We don't want to be like charcoal to hot embers, wood to fire, or quarrelsome whispers kindling strife. We do not want to allow our hearts to burn hot within us and the fire to burn and then release our anger and our rage on other people. We want to allow the Holy Spirit of God to control our hearts, to control our minds, and to control our tongues so that we can talk things out in a biblical way that promotes godly peace in the various arenas of our lives. The third and final thing that James is going to share with us today is that our tongues have the power to delight. The power to delight. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. With our tongues, we bless our Lord and our Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. The various things that we use fresh water for. We use fresh water to quench our thirst. There's nothing like coming in after a hot day of of mowing the lawn and, and taking care of the lawn or coming in from football practice or volleyball practice and just taking a, a, a big gulp of fresh, cold water. We use uh, fresh water for washing clothes. I can't think of many things too refreshing than the, the smell of fresh laundry. We use uh, fresh water for cooking. I mean, just think about how, how delightful it is to be able to sit down and enjoy a meal that you home cooked. But more than likely, the meal that you home cooked required fresh water. We use fresh water 
for bathing. Some of you parents here today, you can really appreciate this, that when your kids come in from playing, when they go and take a shower and they come out and all of a sudden they smell a lot better. Can I get an amen? And listen, you appreciate the fact that they actually use the body wash that you bought them. It is delightful when your children actually smell good. We use fresh water for various things in our lives. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Just like fresh water brings refreshment and satisfaction in the various areas of our life that I mentioned above, James says that our word can also bring forth the same delight to others. The tongue is also delightful because it is like a tree. In biblical lands, trees were valuable because they provided beauty, shade, and fruit. James is telling his readers that their tongues or their words are like a tree that can provide spiritual shelter, encouragement, and nourishment. You know, the most important part of a tree, though, is its root system. And Psalm chapter 1 actually compares our lives to a tree and encourages us to cultivate a healthy root system by going deeper in our relationship with God. And if you and I, as God's children, as his sons, as his daughters, as his disciples, if we are rooted in the things of Jesus, then our words will be the fruit of our fellowship with him. So where do your words go after you say them? As I mentioned a few moments ago, I don't know where they go, but I do know that you cannot get them back. And I do know that something as small of your words as your words carry great power. According to James, your tongue, your words have the power to direct. They have the power to destroy and they have the power to delight. Let me ask you today to surrender your heart, your tongue, your speech, and your words to Jesus. Let me ask you today to repent of anything in your language and in your speech that hasn't exactly been glorifying to Him. And let me ask you today to go before the Lord and to ask Him to give you a spirit of self-control where your words will be seasoned with salt and with grace. Pray with me today. Father, we thank you for your spirit that dwells within us. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that it is a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Help us to remember that when it comes to our tongues and our words, that your spirit is within us, giving us the power to direct our tongues, giving us the self-control that we need in order to say things that are glorifying to you. And help us to reflect your love in what we say to those in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church. Collective Church.